Okay, so we're going to review a little bit before we start. Let's go in reverse. So start where we left off last week. Well, sort of. By week, not by like actually, like, you know. So what did we talk about last week? Last week it was... Joy. 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 We talked about joy. Okay, what about joy? We talked about how it's sort of like somewhat happiness, but remember I was saying that it was greater? Yes. And we talked about people that we got with no joy and all that? Yes, we did. Okay. Okay, what can give you joy? We talk about how sometimes you feel joy when it's the first time you're in the day and you're drinking, like, because it tastes better than anything else, and then you say Oh, yes, yep. <laughs> what, but more, deeper than that, what can give you joy? God. Okay. What about God? A relationship with God. Okay, yes. What are what's part of that relationship? Worship. Okay, yes, we did talk about worship. What is it what is one of the reasons that you worship? Or what's one of the emotions that you feel when worshiping? Gratitude. Gratitude. Okay, that was one thing that we talked about. Close enough. Mm-hmm. You all know what it is. Uh, what else? What else brings you joy that, in your relationship with God? Okay, yes, that can bring you joy. And we talked about that, that joy causes you to have or when you're joyful part of that is stems from gratitude towards God and if you feel grateful for what he's done for you you want to besides okay yeah so you want to serve God which leads you to how do you serve God I mean that is that is one thing he wants you to do, but what were you made to do besides worship? Yeah, but what if the gospel now this is a little this is a real big what if, but what if the gospel never needed to be spread because there was no sin never entered into the world? What, what else? I want you to think about way, way back at the beginning of the Bible. What else did you do? To what did Adam glorify the beauty of God and Eve do? No, probably not. Okay. They ate the fruit. What do you have to do if you're eating fruit? What do you have to do to get that fruit? You have to grow it. You have to cultivate it. Okay. Yes. So what? What is that? And then what else did they? Now they didn't eat animals because God didn't give that as a option for them yet. It wasn't there wasn't that kind of violence in the world. So what else did Adam do? He took care of the animals. He named them all. So what are all the what are those things? What's a what's a group term for those things that he's doing? Responsibility, that's good. Because he was given dominion over the earth. Farming. <laughs> yes. Are <laughs> broader than that? Work. What? Work. Okay. <laughs> oh. You you were made to do work. 
Okay? You're, I mean, you just look at your body and it's made to be able to do things, okay? You're, you have hands so you can manipulate things. Unique from all other creatures, you have opposable thumbs and you have... Yes, they can, but they're, they're still a little bit different. You have a mind that is creative and that you come up with things that you want to make and build. And so besides worshiping, which that kind of, you could make a correlation between the two, but you are made to work. So back to, do you remember why we were even talking about that? Working? Yeah. Because we said you're made to, to do something. You said worship and you said that. Yes, because worshiping takes joy and people say once that you get a reward. Right, so that's true, but from that gratitude that you want to serve God, then you can do the work. You can do His work, or you can do things, other things that would glorify Him. So, part of Adam being able to not just worship God, but he was able to enjoy and be a part of God's creation by utilizing it and being creative inside of that creation where he could cultivate plants, he could tend the animals, he could do all these things and be a part of that creation. Okay, so the week before, oh, sorry, one more thing that will bring you joy. Unrelated to those things and your relationship with God. What does he do for you? Blessings. Okay, blessings. What do those blessings, um, how does he tell you about those blessings? I'm trying to think of how to phrase this without giving it away. Um, how does he tell you that you can receive blessings. Okay, promises, right? God's promises. That's another way where we can have joy is when those promises are fulfilled and the joy in knowing that God always follows through on his promises and that those things are coming to us. Okay. The week before that, what did we talk about? Sorry. <laughs> Good. You guys are on opposite wavelengths. Two weeks of joy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're each one for one. Okay. So what we did, we did We did. Yep. We have talked about how um, love is really all, a lot of these things. These other fruits of the spirit stem from love, and that they're all intertwined. It's hard to have one without the others. Um, so what is love? We talked about that. Okay. Um, service, right? And how do you, how are you a good servant? Okay, that's good. A good attitude, a servant's attitude. And then Evan said you put others before yourself. All right, that is good. Um, I want to build on that a little bit more. If you are a good servant, what does that look like in general, I guess? I'll start there. Loyalty, that's good. One master, yes, we talked about that, that you can only serve one master, which you either serve the, your flesh, your fleshly desires, whatever, you know, you want it and you want it now, whatever it is, or you serve God and you seek after the sp things of the spirit, which are the fruits of the spirit. Um, what else does a good servant look like? Just in general, as a servant, we don't even have to talk about a servant to God. Thinking one step ahead. Yep, we talked about that. Technically, it was thinking three, three, two steps ahead, actually, not one. Yep, 
Yep, even better. How about frequency? Always. All the time. Always working. Is, right. Is it enough to just be a good servant once a week? No. It's enough just to be a good servant whenever you're at an East Shelby event? No. No. Okay. What what would you call that frequency aspect? Lazy. What'd you say? Oh, consistent. That's true. Consistency is good. What do you call it if you if you love someone enough that you are going to marry them? What are you making to them? Yes, a prompt, a commitment. Abby made a weird face with commitment, but being a committed servant is a good thing that you have, it is like you have made a decision that I am going to consistently be loyal. Like you guys said, all these words, you know, they all tie into each other. And might that also, since we were talking about commitment with love, that kind of ties back into the other fruits of the Spirit, right? With that, if you are committed, maybe that would go with patience or long-suffering. I kind of like the long-suffering one. We're not talking about long-suffering tonight, but... Just another little tie in there. So, um, as you all know, I was, or I think you all know, I was in the Army for four years. And, heavy shocked, I know. Blown away, never heard it before. And for three of those years, um, I was from anywhere from 25 to 42 soldiers and NCOs I had underneath me where I was directly responsible for them. And every once a, it was either once a year or every time you changed your job title, you would get a performance review where your immediate superior would sit down and write it was like a two-page document where it would say, you got this grade on your PT test, and you scored this, and you did this work and that work, and these are the improvements, and this is what you need to work on. And then you are number three out of 15 people that I rate, or you are number two or number 20 out of 20 people that I rate. And they would rank you. And then there was also an overall, like, performance category where it would be it would be excels um, trying to think what the middle one was oh satisfactory or um, was it ES or N no it's not needs improvement I'm trying to think but that was essentially what it was I can't remember what it was but they had a word no, it's not important though. So you would get one of those ratings as well. And I did not do, I did not always get the highest ranking when I was on an ROTC, but I found it easier once you were doing like the real work to achieve a higher rank. And I was always end up being either number two, number three, and often number one out of my peers. And I would always get the comment that would be promote now. That'd be one of those little like plug-in things that you'd want as a comment. So then when you got time to be promoted, they'd review it and they'd say, okay, we've seen all these good reports and we're gonna select you and we have 300 to promote out of the 400 in, not the whole army, but um, for this, this year group and in turn um, what happened at when I was I got to about four years 
and I said, I started to say, well, I'm not going to stay in past my commitment. I'm going to be done and I'm going to resign my commission at the end of my four years. And my commander and first sergeant uh, heard about this, that that was my plan, and I had already even sent in, like typed up my letter of resignation along with some paperwork and had started to process it through the admin section. And they came in my office, and it wasn't immediately after, so I didn't know why they were in there, but they came in my office, sat down, both of them across my desk from me, and closed the door. And they had never, ever done that before. And I was like, thinking, this is weird. This can't be good. Whatever is going on, something horrible happened. A soldier died. Something bad must have happened. And they said, uh, we hear you want to get out of the army. And I was like, yep. And they're like, why? And we talked for a while about my reasons behind it and whatnot. And they were like, well, you need to stay. They're like, they're like, you are somebody that we want to stay in the army. And we talked some more and they were kind of left it at, well, you know, you can do what you want, but you should stay kind of a thing. And you have to think, why was that their reaction? Why did they say, don't leave us, stay here? It's pretty straightforward. They thought that I was totally committed to the Army. They looked at my performance reviews, which reflected, or were supposed to reflect what I did. And they said, this is somebody we want to stay in. We want to keep promoting them. And they thought that I followed all the standards that they were reviewing and that they were looking at. And that I was going above and beyond. And that it was just going, trying to uphold everything that it meant to be an officer in the Army. But, which I sort of did, but honestly, they were confused. And this is why. Because I, w- I was not doing anything, any extra work at home for the Army. There were plenty of times where I had to stay late. You know, I had to be there, you know, get a call to go in, and I always went in, uh, volunteered when need be. But I wasn't doing anything extra at home. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have field manuals in the bathroom that I was reading while I was on the toilet. I say that because there were plenty, I knew plenty of other officers that did that, that were always studying and and spending all this time trying to learn more knowledge, get all the schools they could go to. And instead, this is what I was doing. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 23 through 26. And this is after all of the fruits of the Spirit. This is what Paul says after those. 23. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Provoking one another and being one another. Okay. So, this is after Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit, and these are what you should have. He said, then, we talked about this, against such there is no law. Okay. And then at the end it says, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another or envying one another. Me, I wasn't trying to, like a lot of my other peers, I would watch them and they were focused on achieving the perfect standard. They were focused on, they would always be trying to rub elbows with like the colonels 
or the generals at social events. Um, just trying to get noticed. Just trying to get noticed so they would, someone would remember their name for when the promotions came up. And instead, I wasn't really, I was focused instead on these things which are, there is no law against them. I wasn't focused on what the army's standards were and what their rules were. Of course, I followed all the rules. A lot, they had a lot of good rules and good standards, but that wasn't my overall, um, what was at the core of how I did my job. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to tell you this to say that I was oozing the fruits of the Spirit and that I was like the Johnny Appleseed of the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, that, that's, there are plenty of things where I could tell you where, I'd be embarrassed to tell you that where I didn't do things where, that were the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, that were instead on the list of the things that are of the flesh that Paul talks about. But what I'm trying to illustrate here is at the core, I was making decisions and setting examples in things that were of, um, of higher value, those things that are of the spirit. And I was in that three-legged race, okay, where I was trying to make my spirit guy big and strong so he could just pick up the weak, trying to starve that flesh guy so he could just pick him up and run with just two legs instead of hobbling along with three and trying to serve two masters. And in the end, that is what stood out to them when my leaders came into my office and said, we don't want you to go. We like how you, how you run your... Um, your section or your platoon or whatever it is. We don't want you to leave. But they didn't really, they didn't know, I don't think they really knew why they liked the way I did things. Because a lot of times in the army, the attitude is to just be, not always, but is to be rough and tough. And I'm just going to come in and we're going to make this happen. I'm going to force you to do this. It doesn't matter whether you have to stay way late to get it done because I made a mistake. We're just going to get it done so that we look awesome and we're going to always win best company or best platoon. Instead, I was having an attitude of I'm going to build a relationship with each of the people who worked for me and we're going to work together on whatever the task is. Yeah, I, although there's the rank structure there, there was an attempt to break down that barrier as much as possible to be on the same level and say, hey, we're going to work on this thing together. And um, the, tonight we're going, and those fruits are something where they reach into every aspect of your life. Because I was shocked when they came in and did that. Because I really, I was at a point where I felt like I was doing worse than I'd ever done in the army. And then for them to even point out, because I never really even talked about, because you're not supposed to talk a lot. Like, you're not, as a leader, you're not allowed to push your your own religion on other people in the military because it's an unfair thing where they might see that, oh, if I want to succeed in this unit, I have to become a Christian or I have to become a Muslim because my leader, that's their religion. So you're not allowed to do that and you wouldn't want to do that to someone. You don't want to force them to. So naturally, it wasn't something that was came up a lot in public conversation, but it was something that they mentioned when I left about all the things that they liked that I did was they mentioned how much time we spent at our local church. I didn't even know they really noticed that at all. I didn't really tell them about it. Occasionally it would come up if I said, hey, I know uh, 
we're staying late. What time are we staying late till? Because I have Bible study, or we have we have youth group that night. It, will I be able to make it? Things like that. But there was something that they noticed. So the fruits of the spirit can they will if they're really if you are producing those real fruits in your life, they will be noticeable to everybody around you. You might not know that they notice them, but they will be noticeable. So we're going to look at another one of these fruits tonight. And another one that you have the freedom to share. Because, again, there's no law against it. This is, these are things that no one out there says, oh, this is a terrible thing for you to be so happy when you come to work. Now, there's always exceptions. Okay, there are grumpy PFL people out there that don't want anybody to be joyful. But um, there, we're going to look at today, we're going to look at peace. And what is peace? What does that mean? Peace is, say that again? No, not being at war with God. Because you you're on God's side, so you're not at war with God. If you're at war with God, you'd be in rebellion to God. But you're right in the fact that peace does mean um, a lack of violence. Absence of conflict, that'd be another way to say it. Okay. Unity. Unity. Okay. Is it unity somewhat the same as unity? Um. Yes. But I could say you could say though that someone that a group has unity in their goals, but but they are always at war with each other within that group. So, so harmony. Yes. Yes. Right. So harmony is where you all work together seamlessly, smoothly. Things go think of a piece of music when or your instrument is all in harmony. No note is out of tune. Kind of thing. Okay, what else about peace? What's peace? Calm. Calm, okay. Is there an N on that? No. Oh, it's calm. What about else about peace? What's it mean if you have peace? Passiveness, you said? Yeah, okay. I, I like the relaxed part. You don't have like any like thing like burning you? Yeah, you're not worried. Okay. So what's but what's in the what would be the positive version of war or the positive attitude on the other side of worry? Stress free. Okay, that's good. That's acting what? Sometimes people that are sometimes have stress. You're right. And that's that's a bad thing about today is someone will people will say they'll say, I'm so stressed out or I have so much stress in my life. But just because there is stress in your life doesn't mean that you have to have a lack of peace. Okay, you can have stress going on, but you don't have to let that affect your attitude 
about things or your or your inner uh, focus, I guess. Okay? Don't let, we let the, what's going on around us control our emotions, which is not good, okay? What else about peace? This one's a little bit tougher than some of the other ones that we've had to... What do you think of when you say that somebody is at peace? Dead. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that would maybe rest. How about rest? Say that someone's at rest. Okay, well, peace. I would put peace into two categories, or two kinds of peace that you experience. that is inside you. Oh, wrong side, sorry. And then peace with, um, around you. Okay. So, is that clear? What's that mean, Audrey? What does it mean to have peace inside of you? It means that you're not, like, fighting with yourself and you're not creating stress for yourself. Okay. Like, within, like, making things a bigger deal than you. Okay. Kind of. Like, you're, you're, I don't know, like, content. Content? That's good. Gabe, what about around you? Okay, let's go smaller. Smaller than the world. No, that's perfect. Okay, yes. Your environment around you, right? Very good. Okay. So then, I want to um, first talk about, so there's a lot of non-peaceful things around us lately, right? Way more than normal. That's true. That's true. I agree. Not in my neighborhood either, but definitely a lot closer than it is sometimes, right? There's lots of things going on, and. Well, shootings are actually up, but. Um, oh. Right, right. That would be totally different, right? So, um, there's a lot of fear that has been going on in this, really, this whole year. A whole lot of fear. Fear of um, sickness. Yes, murder hornets. Fear of um, of unrest in the so cities, police, so right? Fear of police, and that's why I Yep, fear of police. Yeah, because they got a homeless man because um, they were trying to give him a full body cavity search, um, and he was like, "Leave me alone!" And they told him to put off, and they got their death. They Well, there's a lot of fear that goes on in our world. People are way more afraid than than they've ever been. And it, I thought of when I was thinking about peace and I thought, well, what is what causes you, especially internally, to not have peace? I thought of fear. Fear makes you to... Um, to be at unease, it's you are afraid of things that you think will bring danger to you, okay, that will threaten you. 
And I thought of when I was a kid, I was probably between six and eight or something like that. And it was nighttime. I had already gone to bed. I wasn't asleep yet, but I thought, and it was dark out. And I had been playing out in my tree fort, which was probably like from here to the other side of the village from the house, but uphill, we had a slightly little hill. This is out, was on the other East Shelby Road in the swamps. So it's dark out, there's no lights. And I thought, I left, it was some like either cap gun or some other type of toy that I was like, it's gonna get wet in the dew and it's gonna get ruined. And it was dark already. And I was like, I have to go get it. So I ran out there to go get it and it was dark. And I always remember that as you know, you have things that you remember when you were a kid, you were like, wow, that really scared me. That was scary running out there in the dark, climbing up the tree fork to get it. And I ran really fast back to the house. You know that where you can go out in the dark to find whatever, but then you always run back faster because you know the way back. It's instead of when you're going there, you don't always know uh, where to go on the way, but when you're going back, you can see a light to run to. Oh yeah, exactly. That is why I ran back fast because you don't know what's out there, right? It's always, fear is always something where there is an unknown thing out there that poses danger. Oh, I know right now. Huh? I know everything in my house. My name is Foxton, Python, that's three size of a 40 foot white one that got shot in the head thing. Right, but I'm talking about water not just that. Okay. Oh. Got it. But fear of the unknown, like fear of a virus that you don't know what it's going to do, right? Makes people act all different ways. Fear of unrest in the cities that you don't know what that's going to bring. You don't know where things are going in the world. And I want to look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, 33 now. Because we're going to look at what it means first um, to see what peace inside of you is. We're going to look at that first before looking at peace around you because the way that change happens, the way that you can... um, The way that you can have change in your life around you is that it works from the inside out, where God has to change you, who you are first. So 16, verse 33. Somebody could read that. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I will Okay, let's look at what this tells us. This is Jesus. He is he has just told them about how um, how he is sent from God the Father, and that he is here to um, to express God's love to us. And he says, "These things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace." Okay, that's straightforward. Um, But then what does he tell us that we are going to experience? Tribulation. Tribulation, okay? There is going to be trouble around you. So there's no promise of peace around you in that verse. Now, what do you know is going to happen eventually? Huh? Yes. What? Okay, that's all bad stuff, right? Really bad tribulations, really bad unrest. But what have you, it might not have gotten there yet, but what comes after all of that, after Armageddon? A new earth, right? What, and a thousand year reign, uh, millennia, 
And that's where God, Jesus, is going to come and he's going to rule the earth and be in charge like a king over the entire earth. And he's going to show us the right way to do things. That's where it talks about the lion or the lamb will lay down with the lion and the child will play on the snake's hole. On the snake's little hole in the ground, the kid will be able to take the snake out when it, or when it comes out, they'll be able to play with the snake and it specifically talks about an adder which is a poisonous snake the kid's not going to have to worry about that because everything's going to be right in the world so there is an eventual peace that is promised but he's saying until I come back and I, and I set everything right it's going to be chaos there, there's going to be tribulations that you're going to have to deal with so no peace there but he did just say at the beginning what? At the beginning of that verse, that you might have peace through him. Okay? And then he says, I have overcome the world. What's that mean, Gabe? That he is already ruling over the world, but not. Okay, yes, nope, you're right. You're on the right track. Audrey? Even though all the trouble and stuff he had, he already has a way to take care of Okay, what is that way? What, what's the root of our problem? He's stronger than all the, anything else in the world. Evil, okay. But what is, what's the real root of our problem? Sin, okay, right? And if he overcame the world, which rep- is representative of sin, what's that mean? Right. How did he do that? Right. He, he served as our sacrifice, paid our debt for sin. So he's saying, I have, well, he hadn't yet, but he's saying that I am going to overcome the world. I'm going to take care of the sin that causes you all that. I am in control of it. I hold the keys to to death and I can bring a peace that nobody else can bring to you. Okay. Let's go to flip back a couple chapters to John 14 verse 27. Um Yes. Let's read that. Okay. So, this verse is saying that I offer a peace to you that you cannot find anywhere else. It says this is not the kind of peace that the world offers. Alright, think about... um, Throughout history, there has been a claim of peace that has come. Uh, first one I think of is the Pax Romana. Anybody know about that one? Yes. 200 years of Roman peace. Peace. Um, yep, during that time, that's when Jesus came. Was it very peaceful in Jerusalem with the Romans there? No. Nah, not really. It's sort of peace. You know, there aren't other countries that are coming and smashing Israel, but they still are under the oppression of Rome, paying them taxes and dealing with them, slaughtering pigs on their idol just to get back at them. Uh, Or did I say idol? I meant on their altar. Sorry. And then we look at what... What did they say about World War II? Anybody know? At, at the end of it. It was the war to... The war to end all wars. They thought that was it. They would never, there would never be a world war again. We'll see. We'll see, right? But there, what, there's been a lot of little wars since then, right? Some 
little, some not so little, a whole lot of violence going on throughout the world. So much so that you know that we haven't been in a war since World War II, the United States. Well, we just, instead, we just don't de officially declare war. We just call it a conflict. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Korean War, even though it's called a war, is a conflict. The Vietnam was a conflict. Desert Storm was a conflict. I, I, invasion of Iraq was a conflict. Um, Afghanistan was a conflict. It's just a way to say, yeah, we're never in war, but we're really always warring. And I'm not trying to say that any of those were, are inherently bad wars or anything, but just pointing out that there is not peace, okay? It's not a peace that is going on. But Jesus is saying, when my peace comes, it'll be real, the peace that's on the outside. But... Not only that, but you can have a real peace now inside of you. He can give you a real, real peace now. So, how do you get this peace inside of you? Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. After Galatians... And verses seven, or sorry, six and seven. We're going to look at. Yes. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes, as if all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay. What's that first part of? Verse 6 mean, be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Okay, you're right. Don't worry. It's a little bit, the King James is a little bit weird because be careful for nothing kind of sounds like, eh, you don't have to worry about anything. Just go ride your motorbike off the cliff and God will make sure you make it down safe. It's not that kind of be careful for nothing. Don't just go doing wild things or doing things flippantly. And just think that um, you'll be everything will be all right in the end. What it really means is what Evan says: says don't worry, don't be worrying about things in the future that you really have no idea if it's going to happen or not. You things that you can't control are not something to be just worrying about constantly. But instead, because that would be silly, right? To think I'm just not going to worry about anything. I'm not worried about this big, I don't know, test coming up, my final. I'm not worrying. I'm not worrying. I'm not worrying. That's not going to work. Or if whatever else might come along, even bigger things in your life, to say, I'm just not going to worry about it. Instead, he says, because, I mean, just by saying you're not going to worry about it, thinking about not worrying it, it's like, a null point. You're, you're already thinking about it, right? So, he says to do what instead? Pray. Pray. And another thing, in your prayer, it's right there. Be thankful. Be thankful, okay. Right, we talked about that. talked about that way over here with joy, right? Peace and joy, they kind of go together. What else? What's the other thing? Okay, let him know what you need. Ask for your daily bread. Things that you need. Not your... Although, he will give you your desires... But it's saying bring the things that you need, what you need today, what you know is coming up tomorrow, bring those things to him, and he'll take care of them. 
And what's the first thing, though, there? That word that we don't use very much. Supplication. Supplication. Does anybody know what supplication means? I'll be honest, I didn't look this one up beforehand, but supplication, this isn't the Webster definition, but supplicate is when you come and um, it would be like if you were to kneel before a king or before someone, okay? So it's making yourself humble, making yourself low before someone. So you're coming to God out of humbleness, saying, I not in control of what go, what's going on. I don't know what to do. I, I'm at a loss. I need help. Okay? And then, he says, once you've done that, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So it's going to bring a peace that you don't even understand why you have it. It's going to be a peace that you're like, I don't even know why I'm okay with this awful situation or this really hard thing, but I have it. And there's really, I don't really have a good way to explain it better than that because it's the kind of thing where you just have to do it. You have to do it and you have to practice it in order to feel it. There. I don't know how else to say it other than that. It's the kind of thing where, was it this Sunday that Pastor Eric was talking about, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good? Not two Sundays ago. David wrote that. And that, I, I really, I like that verse a lot. That it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because there comes a point with things with God and spiritual things where it's something that we're too, we're just not smart enough to explain it or to try to articulate it or demonstrate it where you just have to taste it to find out. That's the only way. Okay, so what about peace around you then? Once you get this peace inside of you, What does that mean? Peace around you. I think, it's, I think it's just like how when when we talk about like how there's the body and then the soul and then the spirit, how if your spirit is right with God, then that'll kind of leak out and into your soul and into your body and it will kind of like push out around you. Like you have the peace inside of you, then it will kind of spread out to the, your outside actions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the idea. Is that it's going to start affecting the way that you interact with the world, where you interact with your friends. And um, this made me think of, and actually, because I have, I have another verse that I've been working on carving that's going at Aslan's Acres, but I've been working on it for, I think, like three years now, working. It's like half done <laughs> sitting on my table. I just haven't done it yet. But I saw that today. I was listening to stuff other preachers and stuff getting ready for the lesson and I that was in front of me behind my wood lathe as I'm listening and turning and I saw that verse and I was like huh that really fits with tonight's lesson and do you guys remember I don't know well obviously we didn't do it this past youth retreat but the youth retreat before, we may have done it, but do you remember the obstacle down at Aslanzager, which is the minefield with the stumps and the planks that you have to lay on it? And I don't even remember who was even in whose team or anything. So all I, I remember is because we watched you guys do this and we watched you, some of you, and we watched you and watched you and watched you. And a lot of you guys worked through it, and it was really a great thing just to watch you guys do it. We enjoyed it. We saw, we saw personalities come out and good things come out of it. But overall, what we found, and by the way, I found this too because I have done that obstacle and hundreds of other ones in the Army that, where you do it with a group. And even a group that you've never even been with before, and this is like the first week you've ever been with. So this is true just across the board. 
But we found with you guys that the group that did it the best followed this verse. Okay. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Just a couple pages back. And it is verse 3. We're going to read more of the verses around it, but I just want to read verse 3 for now. Wherever we were left off. Let nothing be done through strife or vain for but loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. What does that mean? In pertaining to that obstacle. Okay. You're not always 100% right. you got to make sure everyone else gets their fair say in what's going on so that you can all coordinate. And also, you're not the only one that needs to get across. You need to make sure that other people are getting across. Too. You have to use every person's strength to better yourself. Okay. Anyone else? I'm sorry if you haven't. I think I don't think Felicia has done the obstacle, but you will. Don't worry. One day. <laughs> so the core of this verse, and by the way, when I get this verse done, that's where it's going. Is that the obstacle? Wow. It is. It's a good one, and and it's not just you guys because I have seen a lot of adult teens struggle with this. It's something that everybody struggles with. But this verse talks about that you're not doing it for, for your own pride or your own glory or look at how great I am. Or e- even a little bit of, I have a really good idea if everyone would just listen to me. Even one of those things. Instead, it says, we're not going to fight about things, but instead we're gonna, everyone's going to have a lowly mind. That I'm here to serve everybody else on the team. I'm here to accomplish our goal, and it doesn't matter what I have, what task I'm going to do. So somewhat like teamwork. Yeah, it's teamwork, but kind of spelling out a little bit more, okay? Kind of pinpointing the things that we struggle with, and that is really it's talking about pride in the end, but it talks about it on the flip side, which is the positive side, that you put others before yourself. And that's how, as a group, as a church, as a youth group, that you have peace within the group. Is that everybody, it's like the body of Christ, right? That everybody has talents, everybody has gifts, everybody has jobs, and you work together to do it. And when you have that servant attitude, then there is a love between all of you, right? There comes love. And then you're going to have peace and you're going to have joy in the, in the things that you're doing and doing work that you are created to do. Um, so I want to read now verse 1 through 8 quick because there's more around this verse that really just speaks to the fruits of the Spirit. Go ahead. If there be, therefore, any conclusion in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels, bowels of mere mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one love. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. With this mind he gave you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Okay. So, Paul is drawing a direct line with all the fruits of the Spirit to Jesus. It doesn't say that directly, but all the things that he's talking about, many of them are fruits of the Spirit here. They, being a servant, 
or being humbling himself that ties back to the meekness okay thank you um, and <clears throat> it is pointing to us that he Jesus is our example of how to act and that when we follow his example of putting others ahead of ourselves then things are going to be much better. You're going to have joy. You're going to have love. You're going to have a peace around you. Um, one last thing. This is just a story. Because it is, it is so nice to come and be here with you guys. It's so nice to come here and be with the church. Because Things are different here than are out in the world a lot of times. And I don't just mean this 2020 year. I just, I mean in general, okay, in general, even before this. I recently um, heard this guy, Michael Ramsden, was giving a talk. He's an apologist and evangelist. And he was friends with Nabil Qureshi, who we did the book about. And he was... He also himself was a Muslim before he became a Christian, but this is unrelated to that, just so you know who he is. He shared an experience that he had um, a few years back. And he was, he was either on an airplane or something like that, a public area where he met somebody. They just happened to be there and they started talking with each other. And as he talked with this guy, he found out that the guy worked for the FBI. And he asked them, oh, well, what do you do in the FBI? And he says, well, I'm, a, I'm work on a spiritual direction team. And Michael was, said, oh, well, what's that? I've never heard of that kind of thing in the FBI, like a spiritual direction team. And he said, well, the FBI has been studying their employees, keeping records of them for quite a few years now. And they started keeping records of times when they meet with, um, like when they have a review or if they meet with, I think it was with their therapists. I don't know how that works with HIPAA, but, and they said, we started to keep records of that and kind of paying attention to people's emotional side of their life and how they deal with situations in their work. Cause they deal with crazy stuff, right? FBI deals with murders, they deal with um, human trafficking, they deal with child pornography, they deal with like crazy stuff out there. They see the worst of the worst. And he says, we're, and we've started paying attention to how they deal with these everyday situations because we are losing all of our good agents and employees as they progress. After a while, they say, I can't take this job anymore. The horrible things that I'm seeing every day, it grates on me, it wears on me, I can't handle it anymore. So they quit. And they said, by the time we get to the top, we lose so many good people who are good at their job, but can't handle it emotionally. Because and they're gone. Yeah, because sometimes somebody gets it. Wait, no, it's because most of the time they know Right. Exactly. So he said what the FBI did was they brought in me, and I'm a rabbi, he said. He said they brought in a Christian, they brought in Muslim, Buddhist, they brought in all these different people that are well-learned in different faiths on the spiritual board. And we've been reviewing this information, and they determined that the problem of why we're losing all these good employees is be, and the ones who actually make it, the difference between those people is the people who stick it out to the end are part of some religious group. And they didn't single it out and say just the Christians make it or just the Jews make it or just the Buddhists, but in general, they are part of a religious group. And what they're doing now is when the therapist or whoever they meet with 
or even their supervisors now when they say, I just can't handle it anymore. I can't handle the job. They say, they're not allowed to say, oh, you need to be, become a Christian or they're not allowed to talk about any of that stuff or even a certain faith. But they are told to say, you should go and find, if they know that they grew up Catholic, they say, you should go and find a parish nearby somewhere and get involved in a group. Or you should go and find some religious organization. Try getting involved with that. Because they found that that's the only thing that helps them deal with these terrible things in their life. With the conflict, with the unrest, with that whole list that Paul gives in Galatians of the lusts of the flesh. That's the only thing that helps them deal with it. Otherwise, they have to quit in the end. And we have a huge problem in our country, probably in the world, but that people have left, have turned their back, rebelled against God. They don't want anything to do with God. They say, that's not true, it's stupid, it's oppressive, all sorts of reasons. But then when they do, they get down and they say, why is this happening? It comes back to because God is not in their life. That's what it comes back to. The science, the research, right there. And that one anecdotal proves it. So, I say all that to say that if you... If you want to, just besides life, you know, having eternal life, obviously that's wonderful. But if you want to be able to deal with life just on an everyday basis, if you want to be satisfied with your life, if you want to find joy and peace and love in it, you have got to build a relationship with God because that's where it's going to come from in the end. All right, thank you very much.